following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to the show, and thank you for joining us. Episode 839 of I Doubt It Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined today by the lovely, talented, and indeed scholarly, Brittany Page. So, Twitter hasn't completely gone downhill yet. Uh, destroyed itself. It's, it's gone downhill. Well, I said completely. Oh, oh, oh. And it still has some value, even though Elon Musk is trying his best. Yes, he's trying his best to ruin all of our lives on Twitter. Inexplicably so. And, I mean, we'll get into the Twitter files a little bit and, and talk about some of that coming up. But I saw this tweet from Zach Bornstein. He has a... Uh, check check mark in his name. Let me. I'm to screenshot. Tried to click on the profile, <laughs> and I can't because it's a screenshot. He's a so. check mark, so he's important. Well, I was gonna see what his reason for having a check mark is, which you can do now. You can click on the check mark and see what what it is that they have the check mark for. Right? Yeah, there's nor, but there's like three different versions of the message. One is. This is a legacy account. It may or may not be notable. Uh-huh, which is a little Elon shade. Yeah, but I think Elon's own account says that. Oh, really? And then there's one that says this person is notable in government or famous shit, whatever. Yeah. And then the other one is this motherfucker paid. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so one of those. And Zach tweeted, losing my mind, just offered the aisle seat to the guy sitting between me and my girlfriend on a flight. And he said he'd rather stay in the middle seat between us. The middle seat. And this took off on Twitter with a lot of people choosing sides about who the asshole is in this situation. It seems, basically. It seems like that is the, the main function of Twitter is... Getting to the bottom of who the asshole is in any given situation. Yeah, so I thought this would be an interesting exercise for us and the audience because I know how I feel about this issue. And I'm sure that you have an opinion hearing this. And I'm not going to read the rest of the thread yet because I don't want to give you a flavor for... I don't want you to have any other details about this guy's personality that refused to give up his seat, okay? Well, I don't need to know. Well, okay. That guy's the asshole. And and let me say, (laughs) uh, we've had this conversation. We've had this conversation. Mm -hmm. Neither one of us would ask. No, I would never ask to have someone move their seat to sit I don't even, if I find a hair in my food, Mm -hmm. I either drive through and just pick out the hair and finish. (laughs) Oh my God. Or or just don't eat it. But I never send something back expecting something in return. So if you could... If you could start doing more the latter in that situation, <laughs> I think that would be that would be good. Less power through the hair food and more just don't the hair food. Yeah. That would be great. So <laughs> yeah, I would never ask someone to move seats so that I could sit closer to you. Now, of course, there there was some debate about this because people are the people who believe that the guy in the middle seat is is doing the right thing by staying in the middle seat, they defend him by saying, what is wrong with couples that they can't be apart for a few hours during a flight? Yeah, that's well, that's what I'm saying. My position, that guy is the asshole unequivocally, but I would never ask him to move. So it's not like I'm like, yeah, it's great when people ask other people to move. I'm not one of those people. Yeah. But if asked, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll move. Especially when you're getting the better seat. Yeah. It is universally understood the middle seat is the shit seat. Yeah, so apparently they offered the window. They offered 
also offered the window. So apparently, yes, he got offered the aisle seat and the window seat both and turned both of them down and preferred to stay in the middle. Now, I think my preference would be if I got asked and I was in the middle seat between a couple (laughs) and they said, hey, would you like to move to either the aisle or the window so that we can sit together, I'd be like, oh, of course. Yeah. Why? I, I don't want to be in between you guys. Without a doubt. Yeah. I don't want them talking over me. I don't. I, yeah. Who, and who then knows? The decision that I would make window or aisle would depend upon my fluid consumption up to that point. <laughs> because if I'm going to be inconveniencing them. Yeah. Like if there's no chance I'm going to have to get up and, and excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, mm-hmm. I would just take the window. Mm-hmm. Because if you have the aisle and someone else has drank a bunch of water and they're going to be bothering you getting up, Mm -hmm. that's no good. Yeah. But I would for sure, yes. One, because I don't want the fucking middle seat. Yeah. Well, and a lot of people kind of were dicks about the, why can't couples just be apart for a few hours? It's obviously more comfortable to be next to your person. So you can lay on their shoulder. You can sprawl out a little bit. My, My hand is often just in your lap. Yeah, because otherwise I sit there very rigidly trying yeah. not to go over their line where their feet are or go over their line on their seat or the armrest. Like I'm I'm trying very much to stay in my seat, unlike many of the men that I have unfortunately been next to on planes. You've got many photos of dudes encroaching. Yeah, so I try to avoid that, but it's obviously more comfortable if you're next to someone you know so that you can kind of infringe on their space. Yeah, right. (laughs) So... I it's hard for me to say who who the asshole is. But, it is? Well, yes, because I ultimately would never ask to have someone move because I don't want to do that to someone. Yeah, but that's not an asshole thing. You're just asking. Yeah, I just, I don't know. And so here's here's what changed it for me, okay? This is why I didn't want to read the last tweet until we discussed it because this may change, and even for the listeners who are before I read this, choosing which side they're on, which we would be interested to hear which side you're on, 657-464-7609 or I doubt it at dollamore.com. This is the follow-up that helps give you a little bit more glimpse into who this person is. Okay, Zach tweets, LMAO, these replies are psychotic, but yes, we also offered the window. No, he didn't seem nervous at all. So this is kind of eliminating the fact that there were maybe nerves that went into it. He didn't want to move. He's a nervous flyer. And yes, he pounded three full bags of salmon jerky on a five and a half hour flight. Wow. Yikes. (laughs) So just going to town with the salmon jerky on the flight. Which is the lowest form of jerky. I mean, let's, let's, (laughs) it's psychotic that he's eating salmon jerky, I think. I mean, people have very strong feelings about workers who heat up salmon in the microwave. I don't know if salmon jerky smells. I can imagine that it has some sort of scent. I'm I'm just making, I, I don't know anything. I'm just making a joke because I want to pile on because the guy's an asshole. Oh, you're just trying to make your case. You're yeah, trying to yeah. build your case. Yeah. Give yourself more support for your argument. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so I would never ask someone to move. I, I think I, if I'm going to take a side, I would take Zach's side because they were nice about it, and the guy said no. Well, also, in that situation, it would be almost like you're doing the guy a favor. Like, hey, man, you're in the middle seat. We'll we'll switch so we can be together, and you won't have to have the shitty seat. Maybe he really likes the middle seat. He sounds like a guy who really enjoys encroaching upon people. <laughs> Is what it sounds like to me. Eating the fucking jerky. I mean, jerky just in itself is a aromatic food item. You know? Yeah. A potent smell. Yeah, I don't know. I'm a team couple in this case. Okay. Not always the case. Yeah, I think I'm team couple, but again. Because we've, we've, we've talked about couple picadillos. I think that would be the, the odd phrase. Uh, many times, like it's couples who same side at restaurants and stuff, mm-hmm. which I don't get. I think that's strange. Mm-hmm. But not always team couple. But in this case, that guy's just, come on. Yeah. What a dickhole. Yeah. So uh, we haven't been on a plane a long time. Maybe we will encounter a situation like this, but we have yet to encounter a situation like this. It remains to be seen. Yeah. 
how we would actually handle it in person. Again, we'd love to hear from you. 657-464-7609. Email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Let's get to some listener communication. The program moves on. The whole power structure's coming down. Number one show in the world right now. <laughs> Number one show in the world right now. Hey, Brittany. Hey, Jesse. This is Logan from Oklahoma. Uh, called a few times. You guys varied some uh, of my stuff. But uh, anyway, um, I'm listening to your most recent episode, and you're talking about the 82-year-old woman, the poor old woman who was arrested for not paying a trash bill. Um, you mentioned also that they are not going to be disconnecting utilities for late bills. I just wanted to give a quick anecdote about my time in England. I went on leave for a month and I didn't pay my electric bill. I just plain forgot. And I got notices in the mail while I was gone back to the States. And I called the guy or I called the company and the guy who answered, I told him, you know, I'm so sorry. I was gone for a month and I just don't want you guys to cut me off. And he, he scoffed and he was like, wait, cut you off. What do you mean? I said, yeah, you get cut off in the States. And I figured it would be the same here. He's like, no, mate, we just get you on a payment plan. That blew my mind. But here in the United States, we have to pay immediately or be deprived of things that we need to survive. Water, electricity, I, I mean, we don't need Internet to survive necessarily, but Internet, it, it, some people can't do anything but work from home. And it just it drives me absolutely batshit. Anyway, I just wanted to address that. Uh, yeah, American utility companies, et cetera, are pretty fucked. Um, I love you guys. You're all the best part. Yeah, I don't pick sides. So I hope you have a <laughs> wonderful rest of your day. Hopefully talk to you soon. That was for you, I think. Well, I can, I can assume that Logan in Oklahoma isn't going to be taking a side about the asshole in the middle seat either, since he's <laughs> no taking a side guy. Yeah, well, thank you for this call, Logan. And I think, I'm hoping that we eventually get to a point where we view shutting off of utilities of things that people need to survive as an abhorrent practice. Yeah, or maybe, maybe we need to get to a place in our society where... People just do a better job of pulling themselves up by their bootstraps mm-hmm. and just pay their fucking bills. What do you think? Yeah. So uh, there's That's actually a joke. there's actually people That's that think that a fucking joke and <laughs> how horrifying to know they exist. But to give more context for the story that I was talking about in the previous episode, where they are no longer doing water and power shutoffs, that is actually in Los Angeles. The Los Angeles Board of Water and Power is going to stop the practice of water and power shutoffs, but it's only for specific customers enrolled in the a program that is specifically for low-income residents mm-hmm. and also for those enrolled in the Senior Citizen Lifeline Discount Program. Yeah, vulnerable populations. Yeah, so it's not for everyone. It's only for people enrolled in these two particular programs. But again, it is a step. It's also interesting that a part of this motion is also they are going to prohibit the company from shutting off customers' power and water during extreme weather events like heat waves, which, you know, you you wouldn't think that you would need to (laughs) have a motion that prohibits power and water companies from doing something like that, unless it's like a safety issue, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a hurricane, they turn off the power to to protect the grid and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I I just, it seems like it's an incremental step toward ultimately what's going to be, you're not allowed to do that ever. You just can't turn people's power off. Yeah. I, I don't. It's just delaying the inevitable, which the inevitable might be 50 years down the line, but just just fucking rip off the Band-Aid and do the right thing already. Absolutely. Ugh. Anyway, Logan, thank you for the call. We appreciate it. Again, we'll drop the phone number, it seems like, a million times in the first um, 15 minutes of the show. Sometimes we don't do it at all. That is right. We're six, making five, up for it. 657 657- Four six four seventy six zero nine, and email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. So before we get to this next call, I just want to say that 
it's specifically for me, but you can tell that this person is a listener of the show, but it's specifically for, for me in support of me after a video that I did on YouTube talking about a former Boise police captain who was recently exposed as a white supremacist. And when, when Brittany says former, that, that, just in August, he retired, so... After a, after a almost two, over two decade career, right? So like he didn't. It's not like oh, ten years ago he was a cop. He just left uh, the Boise Police Department. Yeah, and he had been writing blogs for American Renaissance, which is Jared Taylor's white advocacy organization. Uh, 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 excuse me, Brittany. White. <laughs> he pronounces it white people. Yeah, so he was writing blogs. He was. Uh, scheduled to make an appearance. He did make an appearance this year at the American Renaissance Conference, this cop. And he is a virulent white supremacist based on his interview with Jared Taylor, based on his blog posts. And so I did a video about this exposing him and the racist got very, very upset and left me very, very mean, but funny comments that were hilarious. Because they're dumb fucks. They don't even know it, but they're dumb fucks. So I did a video mashup of the hilarious comments from the racists and I got this anonymous call and they, they think that I can't play it because it's filled with some naughty words but little do they know we accept the naughty words on this show fuck yeah we do hi guys no you will not be able to broadcast this on air because Brittany and you're doing a good job by the way I watch you so much fuck them I'm so sorry yes I know well actually I'm not sorry because I'm a grown woman fuck all of them Brittany okay (laughs) they hating on you and they will get over it okay they'll be all right as long as they never come near you or touch you so that's when we will all have to get involved but fuck them Brittany fuck them 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 enjoy your holidays peace (laughs) and blessings so I I'm going to start every morning listening to this. This is going to be my new like meditation soundtrack. Yeah. I I absolutely love it. I'm gonna go out on a limb and and I think she wants them to just fuck off. <laughs> I think so too. And it it was just a lovely message. And this is what you get when you start a YouTube channel. You get just lovely messages. You get hateful racist comments too, but you get lovely yeah, yeah, messages yeah. from very kind people. And I am very grateful to the anonymous caller who gifted me with my new meditation soundtrack. Thank you. We're also going to have to clip up a little bit of that <laughs> and use it as a, another drop. The whole power structure is coming down. Number one show in the world right now. I Doubt It is a listener-supported podcast. Support comes from our most loyal, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners just like you via Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as $2 a month would help keep the conversation moving forward one podcast at a time. If you have a few dollars to spare each month, we invite you to help produce the show by joining the Patreon family. Please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitpodcast. We would like to thank our new Patreon supporters, Bruce A.R. Bruce A.R. Kevin W. Kevin W. Mackenzie P. Mackenzie P. And Casey from Indiana. Casey from Indiana. And then we want to give a special shout out to Lorinda. Lorinda. Lorinda increased the Patreon pledge. Nice. Very kind. We just finalized the Patreon oh, yeah, we did. end of year gift. They are in production. Yes. The gift is in production as we speak. The gift is scheduled to be delivered to us on the 22nd, I believe, or the 23rd. All right. So just before Christmas. And then we are immediately going to start sending them out. But we are sending them out ourselves. They're not going out through a company. We are doing that work ourselves. Yeah, last year we had enough lead time that we could uh, afford time-wise to have another company, like another person with their hands on the product. We don't have that time now because the cancer really threw a wrench into, I know everybody's really worried about the end of the year gift and that's the concern, <laughs> but the cancer did really, yeah. it fucked that up yeah. among other things, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we <laughs> don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. My cancer. <laughs> so we're excited. We've sent it to a select few friends and said that they could not share it with anyone and not ev- for public consumption and everyone 
reacted very positively to it and laughed and we it was exactly what we wanted and that's what we want for you guys when you see it this is meant to just be a funny end of the year thing you know yeah it's a it's a summary of our year it is a summary of our year and when you see it you're gonna know exactly what that means so you can become a patreon supporter before the end of the year and be entered in to get your end of year patreon gift if you become a patreon a patreon supporter by the end of the year you will get the patreon end of your gift i think we should extend it because of the lateness for another year, for another month. Okay, so the end of January. End of, let's say Sweepy's birthday. Okay. Which is January 31st. Okay. If you become a Patreon supporter by January 31st of any tier, you will get the end of the year gift. But don't wait. There's more. No, I'm, I don't know. I was just trying to be like Billy Mays or something. Okay. <laughs> OxyClean. Yeah. So thank you all for your support. We could not do it without you. We are looking forward to the coming year and we think it's going to be a big one because there's not going to be any cancer, fingers crossed. And <laughs> yeah. hopefully no more surprises are on the horizon, but uh, I can see everything turning sour now because i'm making that prediction i'm kidding we're gonna be fine Would so stop all right everything's gonna be great and i don't have anxiety so here we go we love you guys we appreciate you thank you very much um uh, moving on democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism we are facing a situation where we have the flu, RSV, yeah. and COVID-19 all at the same time. They are calling it the triple-demic, hmm. and the masks are coming back as recommended by the as, C- as well they should be coming back. By the CDC to help reduce the number of uh, infections and help stave off some of the pressure that is currently on hospitals. We're going to begin with the news and the disturbing new health numbers that could affect millions of Americans. It's a growing triple threat, they say, of illnesses putting millions of us at risk. Reported COVID-19 hospitalizations, for one, they are up 20 percent in the past week. The flu also spiking with more than a quarter of the nation's lab results coming back positive. And on top of those cases, we've got RSV also way up. Hospitalizations for that respiratory illness have more than quadrupled from last year. Carter Evans is at a hospital outside Los Angeles. A lot of hospitals are stressed right now. Carter, good morning. Good morning, Tony. Yes, RSV is hitting kids very hard. And nationwide, COVID numbers are still below what they were at the height of the pandemic. But infections are rising dramatically in some areas. And once again, hospital workers are being stretched thin. And um, that other one's going to go up to 18. Here at the Mass General Hospital for Children in Boston, the pediatric ICU is at 100% capacity, and most of the patients here are on oxygen or ventilators. This past year has been unlike any other years in the past, uh, with RSV season starting way much earlier. RSV, or respiratory syncytial virus, is surging along with the flu and COVID-19 infections nationwide. Megan's 10-week-old son, Jack, is has been hospitalized with RSV for nearly a week after he began having trouble breathing. His belly was kind of sinking into his lower ribs, so that was the first really kind of big, scary moment. It's really scary as a parent to see that happening to your baby. Stick your tongue. Good. While RSV may be peaking, it's the worst flu season in more than a decade, coming as COVID cases are again on the rise. The ER is inundated with cases and people are being hospitalized. In Los Angeles County, COVID cases have soared 75% in just the last week. Douglas Chiraboga is a family medicine doctor, and he says the implications are clear. Should there be another mandate in L.A. County? I think there should be, and I think eventually we're going to have that mass mandate. Doctors say all three of the now prevalent viral infections sweeping the country could be slowed by mask wearing. And the time is now to get your flu shot and COVID booster. So far, fewer than 13% of Americans have received their updated boosters, a bad diagnosis, according to Dr. Chiraboga. It tells me that people are not getting the message. 
So keep in mind, it takes a couple of weeks after you get your vaccine for you to become fully protected. So do the math. You've got really just enough time right now before all those holiday holiday gatherings. It is. I mean, obviously, we need to get back to um, widespread mask wearing in order to stave off these numbers of hospitalizations. And we can predict like clockwork that conservatives around the country are going to be acting like this is stepping on their neck. The boot of the authority of government. How dare they tell me to take care of my neighbors? Yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah, well, in that stat that was cited there, 13% have received their updated booster. That is very scary. What is wrong with us as Americans? It's free. It's free. Yeah. Right now, it's free. So you can go and you can get it and you can have this additional layer of protection, not just for you, but for other people. I mean, right. you're talking about little babies. And I know they're talking about RSV. This isn't COVID. But when it comes to masks, when it comes to boosters, if if you're like, you know what, if I get sick, it's no big deal. I'll just take a few days off work. Well, Again, like with COVID, this is about protecting other people. Like with the flu, this is about protecting other people. And so if we can wear masks to help mitigate that risk, that is something that we should be doing. It it was unfortunate that conservatives conservatives turned this into a political issue because we should just change as a culture and mask wearing during winter months when you have flu season, when you have cold season. Yeah. These things should just be part of our regular practice going forward. It's not a big deal when you are around a lot of people, you're stuck on the metro, you are on an airplane. These are areas where it should just be normal to wear a mask. For sure. It is uh, just a, a disregard for the well-being of other people. It is intrinsically selfish that people don't do it. Yeah. It just is. I mean, because the level of inconvenience that you experience does in no way outweigh the dire consequence that could be foisted upon someone else uh, in a life-threatening situation because of their... Um, immunocompromised situation or whatever Mm -hmm. it just it's so shitty dumb so get your boosters get your flu shot wear a mask do the things and hopefully everyone stays safe stays healthy and uh, doesn't have to be making a visit to the hospital the other negative ramifications of people's behavior involves donald trump and his own behavior oh and the consequences that are being visited upon him relative to the many court cases that are working their way through the courts right now, one of them being his Trump organization in New York being found guilty of 17 different counts, including tax fraud. Well, the convictions uh, and the $1.6 million are very serious indeed. First of all, we have to look at the entire perspective. This is the first time that the dam has been broken. We have looked at civil suits against Donald Trump and his business dealings, as well as personal civil suits. But this is the first time there is a criminal conviction of the Trump organization, not of Donald Trump personally. But when you have 17 counts that really show a quick jury verdict, so the evidence had to be overwhelming to this jury of 15 years of massive, widespread tax fraud in the culture of the company. That is serious indeed. In the beginning, some would say that this is a New York story. You think about Letitia James, who's the attorney general, our district attorney, Alvin Bragg. You said on this air that Letitia James is practically daring Alvin Bragg to now come after Mr. Trump before. Do you think this now turns the spotlight to him? Like, what you going to do? I I think there is no doubt about it. When I had said... To go after Trump personally. Yes. When I had said Letitia James in her filing of her civil suit, which was massive, Mm -hmm. she gave a blueprint as the attorney... Attorney General of New York to the District Attorney of New York, and they both shared information. He was supposed to be investigating Donald Trump, his children, and his companies having to do with the story of inflating values for loans, deflating values of properties for taxes. Alvin Bragg's the DA's investigation has seemed to stall. It seemed to have died. Well, if if there was a dare by Letitia James to say, 
hey, Mr. Bragg, hey, D.A. Bragg, it's time for you to look again at this investigation. This conviction in his own office is like the double dare. Yeah. So if you had a case that died, uh, an investigation that died, it suddenly got resurrected, I would think, within the office. There's no question. So this is CBS News legal expert and analyst Ricky Kleinman sharing why this matters. And I saw a few comments online about, oh, a $1.6 million fine. Who cares? That's meaningless. This doesn't matter. Trump isn't the one who has a criminal conviction. It's just the organization. There's still distance. And it seems strange to me to disregard the fact that this is the first time there is a criminal conviction. And although it's not of Donald Trump, it it is of the Trump organization and it can put pressure on other investigations to continue. Yeah. I mean, I understand that people are unhappy with the consequence, right? That it's not a large fine, but it it doesn't seem like you would say none of this matters. It it does matter. What's the phrase? Missing the forest for the trees or something like that. They're they're missing a lot of little elements that are huge here. One is that you've got a jury conviction. A, with almost zero deliberation, mm-hmm. the, the evidence was overwhelming. One, you're losing sight of the fact that the Trump organization is really like five fucking people. It's not some... <laughs> ma- we're not talking about IBM here. Yeah. So if you can tie the Trump organization to criminal behavior, trem- criminal tax fraud, it's not a far walk to get to Donald Trump himself. Right. So uh, this is big. Yeah, right. A, a million point six. Uh not it's not debilitating it's not even going to be a sting um you know painful for donald trump to pay but it is going to lead without equivocation it's going to lead to other court cases other convictions and other headaches for donald trump yeah and we are starting to see the party because they have to because they lost the elections because they didn't make the progress that they wanted to with their quote unquote red wave. We're starting to see Republicans distance themselves from Donald Trump. Unfortunately, not enough because you recently had Donald Trump posting on Truth Social that the massive fraud, capital M, capital F, of this type and magnitude, of course, talking about election fraud, allows for the termination of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution. So let's really put this into perspective, because I know we're sick of Donald Trump. We're sick of this stuff and <laughs> i think even republicans like you're saying are beginning to be sick of his fucking antics yeah he's a presidential candidate yeah officially he's a, an official presidential candidate he is the front runner for the republican party he's the only candidate but he still right. largely has the support of most of the party he's the leader of the republican party whether they want to say it or not he is, like i've seen some tweets he's the de facto leader no the fuck he's not He's the leader of the Republican Party, and he has a Svengali-like hold over the base, over run-of-the-mill, everyday, Main Street Republicans. And so even though he's calling for the termination of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution, some Republicans, like Republican Ohio Representative Dave Joyce, will not say that this remark would prevent him from supporting Donald Trump. Uh, the economy is stable and they have the jobs to be able to live and, and take care of their family. Donald Trump was your nominee in 2016 and 2020. You voted for him mm-hmm. in 2016 and 2020. Now he's talking about suspending the Constitution. Can you support a candidate in 2024 for suspending the Constitution? Well, again, it, it's early. I think there's going to be a lot of people in the primary. I think at the end of the day, uh, you will say uh, whoever the Republicans end up pick, I'll fall in behind because that's... Even if it's Donald Trump and he's called for suspending the Constitution? Well, again, I think it's going to be a big field. I don't think Donald Trump's going to clear out the field like he did in the six. That's not what I'm asking. I'm asking you if he's the nominee, will you support him? Uh, I will support whoever the Republican nominee is. And I just don't think that at this point he will be able to get there because I think there's a lot of other good quality candidates out there. It's a remarkable statement. You'd support a candidate who's come out for suspending the Constitution? Well, you know, he says a lot of things. Uh, you have to take him in context. And right now, uh, it, I have to worry about making sure as a Republican governance group and a Republican majority that we make things work for American people. And I can't be uh, really chasing every one of these crazy statements that come out about from any of these candidates at the moment. But, but that's an extraordinary statement. You can't come out against someone who's for suspending the Constitution? 
Well, first off, he has no ability to suspend the Constitution. Secondly, but he says he's for it. Well, you know, he says a lot of things, that, uh, but that doesn't mean that it's ever going to happen. So you've got to accept uh, exact fact from fantasy, and fantasy is that the, we're going to suspend the Constitution and go backwards. We're moving forward, and we're going to continue to move forward as a Republican majority and as a, a Republican conference. I don't see how you can move forward if your candidate is for suspending the Constitution, but thank you for your time this morning. <laughs> thank you for yeah, Listen, this from the, the, the party of idiots who have their little raggedy... Uh, overworn pocket constitutions that they wave around. I just happen to have my constitution right here. I'm Ron Paul. Let me. It's a prop. It's a fucking prop. Clearly, it's a prop. Uh, they've admitted as much because no one, other than like Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, two almost not members of Congress now, have come out against this thing. This statement of. Um, massive fraud like this allows for the termination of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution, and they can't come out against it. No, I will support whoever the Republican nominee is, even the guy who explicitly says he wants to terminate the Constitution. Mm -hmm. What the fuck? Yeah, it's remarkable given several opportunities by George Stephanopoulos to say anything even remotely critical of yeah. Donald Trump, and he can't. Well, I don't think he's going to be the nominee. Yeah, but if he is, will you support him? Well, yeah. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Well, he can't. He's not going to be able to do it. You can't do that. Well, you would have said the same thing about an insurrection against the country. Right. And then that happened. So fuck straight off, moron. Yeah. Dave Joyce. Yes, certainly. And we have our own problems in the Democratic Party. Ah, we have one less. (laughs) One fewer problem in the Democratic Party. Because, and you probably heard, that Kristen Sinema, the senator from Arizona who loves to cause problems and join with Joe Manchin to interfere with the agenda of the Democratic Party and of the Biden administration's agenda, well, she has decided to register as an independent you're here to make a significant announcement. I've registered as an Arizona independent. I know some people might be a little bit surprised by this, but actually I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, a growing number of Arizonans and people like me just don't feel like we fit neatly into one party's box or the other. And so, like many across the state and the nation, I've decided to leave that partisan process and really just focus on the work that I think matters to Arizona and to our country, which is solving problems and getting things done. So your voting record is pretty capital D Democratic. I mean, your views are generally that of a moderate centrist Democrat. How does leaving the party change how you do your job? Well, I don't think anything will change about how I do my job. Um, Arizonans sent me to the United States Senate to be an independent voice for our state, and I'll continue doing that. What I think is important about this decision and, and this move is that I'll be able to show up to work every day as an independent and not be you know, stuck into one party's demands of following without thinking. And, and as we've seen in recent years, both parties have created this uh, kind of requirement or a pull towards the edges that you just unthinkingly support all of one party's viewpoints. It's made it difficult to find folks who are willing to work together and solve problems. Now, as you know, Jake, we've been able to do a lot of bipartisan work over the last couple of years, and I'm incredibly proud of that. And I think it's important for folks across my state and, and frankly, across the country to say, yep, there's someone, there's someone that's kind of like me. Doesn't fit neatly into one box or the other, but is standing up for their values, for what they believe in. And is doing it without trying to get one over on the other party or beat the other guy. Well, she talks about values, but she's not really giving any specifics whatsoever yeah. about the specific motivation that she feels like this is going to benefit her, benefit the people of Arizona. What values is she talking about that this bereft, is going to, bereft of policy talk? What what is this going to help her stand for? Yeah. And and how is it going to benefit the people of Arizona rather than just shining a spotlight on her 
and getting more attention for her. You know, at one point, Jake Tapper asks her how this is going to change the makeup of the Senate. She's claiming she's still going to caucus with Democrats. Mm -hmm. And she responds to that question by saying, you know, Jake, I know you have to ask that question, but that's more of like a D.C. question. It's like, you're a politician. Yeah. Why are you acting like, oh, it's a D.C. Que- that's a politics thing. Yeah, you're a politician. This she, is about politics. <laughs> she talks about that. that uh, she calls it the mechanics of it, that it's only insiders who are worried about the mechanics of the Senate when people all over the country poor people, marginalized people all over the country very much worry about the mechanics of the majority of the Senate. Yes. Because if the Republicans are in the majority, their necks get stepped on even heavier mm-hmm. than they are already. Right. So she's she, she they published or produced a little slick campaign t- style thing where she talks about Arizona with her really breathy voice and uh, all this nebulous language that never she never says anything about what she actually fundamentally believes and stands for at all. Just we don't fit into any little box. And uh, 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 what the fuck do you stand for? Well, does anyone other than chaos? Does anyone who listens to her speak feel as though she sounds like a genuine character? I don't think she does. This is all well practiced. She has exactly what she wants to say, exactly how she wants to say it. It feels very gross. If you want to know the people who are really on board with this, just search her name and look at all the people on Twitter with the the username Ultra Ultra Maga Mom who are really cheering her on and now in her on her team. She's just Tulsi Gabbard light. She just went. Not quite as far as Tulsi Gabbard here. Yeah. Well, let's let's vote her out. This race is now open. And Ruben Gallego is already teasing, putting his feelers out there to run as a Democrat for that seat. And uh, I'm I'm here for it. I think it would be great. Yeah. Let's go. We'd love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it. At Dollamore.com. So I don't know if anyone has been following along the Supreme Court cases this week. It is... <laughs> Fucking hellscape. Yeah, I mean, I I enjoy listening to them, but I understand that it can be very difficult to listen to them because they're, again, hearing a case about the right to refuse service to gay people specifically this woman is a website designer and she she hasn't been in a situation to turn anyone away yet this is like a preemptive situation where she's taking on the colorado law she's also from colorado where the masterpiece cake man was from you mean the the artiste yes the artiste and she's positioning herself as an artiste as well because that's what you have to do wait she's a website designer She's an artiste, and so she's classic Monet stuff here. She's this isn't a Squarespace situation. Okay, Listen, she's not resizing the text box. <laughs> all right, when you go to dollamore.com, that's not just our landing page for the podcast. That's my canvas, everybody. <laughs> I'm an artist. Yeah. <laughs> So, listen, this isn't a situation where she Googles a font and downloads the package to use that specific font from Adobe and then just plugs it into the website, okay? She's, like, designing her own fonts. I don't know if she's doing that. This is the claim, though, and she's saying that she would basically be compelled to, in creating her art... Her art. Create a message that she ultimately doesn't support. Anyway, so that was before the Supreme Court again. And we had a situation where a local restaurant in Virginia refused service to a conservative advocacy group, the Family Foundation. And it's very interesting to me that this is happening at the same time that this Supreme Court case is going on. Of course. Because they chose, I think, a restaurant that is clear about supporting their staff and not putting their staff in a situation where they're going to feel unsafe. And they were going to have this event at the restaurant, but the restaurant came forward and said, no, we're actually not going to serve you because we protect our staff and we have members of our staff that are a part of the LGBTQ community. 
And they would not, and we have women who work here as well. And you're a conservative advocacy group looking to take away the rights of right. people in these communities. And so, no, we're not going to serve you. And hey, this- let, let me guess the group then is saying that they're being discriminated against because of their faith. Because they're Christians. Yes, exactly. Uh. The Family Foundation says they were discriminated against. 8 News reporter Alexis Bellamy spoke to the group today. She's live with more. And Alexis, tell us what happened. Aaron Deanna, to put it into one word, frustrated. That's how the Family Foundation says they are now feeling after being turned away from Metzger Barry. Can I already say... They're off to a fucking terrible foot in this local report. It was hard to find a good reporting of this, I will say that. Because they're already setting this up as, framing it in the way that the family foundation or whatever the fuck, Mm -hmm. how they would want it framed. And grill just an hour or so prior to their reservation last Wednesday. Now their group is saying it's all about their religious beliefs. Here's how it happened. One of the owners of Metzger called a representative of the Family Foundation about an hour before the reservation time, saying that the group would not be dining in the restaurant. We've had events at restaurants all over the city, and we've never encountered a situation like this. Um, It's no secret that we are very much engaged in the public policy debate on a number of controversial issues, um, but we never expected that we would be denied service at a restaurant um, based on our religious values or our political beliefs. For businesses like restaurants, federal and state laws do not allow discrimination based on protected classes such as race, religion, sex, and more, as defined by the Civil Rights Act of 1964. It's not yet clear if this incident falls under one of those protected classes. The restaurant citing the conservative advocacy group's opposition to abortion and same-sex marriage. They said in part in a statement posted to their Facebook page that they made the decision to protect their staff, Many of whom are women and or part of the LGBTQIA community. But this was a message that was conveyed by the owners of the restaurant. Uh, let's be clear about that. And it was a, a very intolerant message that was being conveyed, which is we have a litmus test. And that is if you have any political or views about public policy based on Judeo-Christian values that disagree with us, then we're not going to deny you access to our restaurant. The Family Foundation says they are open to the possibility of a sit down so that something like this never has to happen again. We would welcome an opportunity to have a discussion with them, meet with them um, in, a, in a private setting where we can really have a, a heart-to-heart about some of the issues. Mm. Now, we have reached out to Metzger Bar and Butchery for an interview today, but have not heard back. In Richmond, Alexis Bellamy, 8 News. They're intolerant of our intolerant bigotry. Oh, I do declare. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. This is how they want the world to be, right? This is what the, this is what they want. Right. They believe that the the artist, oh, the 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 the, the genius artist website maker, mm-hmm. that she should be able to turn away people and and because of their gay, because they're gay. Mm-hmm. But oh, we deserve the same thing we're trying to deny other people. Fuck straight off. Well, and also they can dispense with the attempt to say that this is about their religious beliefs right. because conservatives, I mean, I'm sorry, Christians are in the majority in this country. Right. And I'm sure that if this restaurant was turning away Christians, had a litmus test, like he said, for Christians, that they would not be as successful as they have been. Yeah, uh, They're not turning away anyone who is Christian. They're turning away a conservative advocacy group that has views that prompt their employees to feel uncomfortable right. in their not workplace. Not just views, though. They put those views into action to actually harm members of these groups. And that's why it's important to talk about it as an advocacy group. They are working to form public policy that infringes on the rights of the people that would then serve them at that restaurant. It's the same with the conservatives in your life you know who say, well, I don't want to oppress any gay people. That's not what I want. But I just vote for people who do put that into policy and actually do impact the lives of people in marginalized groups. Right. Fuck off. 
<laughs> fuck straight off. Get the fuck out of here. So good news related to to some of these issues is that the House passed same-sex and interracial marriage protections this week. This is the family Kent and Diego always wanted, but weren't sure the law would allow them to have. We had to go through so many hoops, whether it was protecting our relationship, um, then our marriage, then our children. After the Supreme Court overturned nearly 50 years of precedent on abortion protections this summer, they feared same-sex marriages like theirs could be next. We were immediately concerned. And they weren't the only ones. My 13-year-olds turned to me when Roe v. Wade was unwound and said, is our family in trouble? Are we next? But today, the motion is adopted. Congress has them breathing a little easier. To see this is a huge relief. I can get a full breath. The House passing protections for same-sex and interracial couples in bipartisan fashion, just as the Senate did last week. But being gay is normal. The bill acts as a safety net should the Supreme Court reverse its 2015 ruling enshrining the right for same-sex couples to marry. It requires all states recognize same-sex marriages as legally valid, though it doesn't compel states to issue marriage licenses. Still, it stops old laws from snapping back into place in the absence of court protections, which created an uneven patchwork of rules across the country after Roe. Michigan is one of those states that still has a constitutional amendment that would not recognize our illegal marriage. Right, but at least this law now says they have to. Yes, and that's all that's beautiful about it. Ali Vitali, NBC News, Washington. Well, let me tell you this. It's good to see that Congress is finally, finally, finally doing the thing they should have done decades ago and not leaning on the integrity of the Supreme Court to uphold these constitutional rights, actually writing this into law. Absolutely. And, I mean, how different the country would look right now had they done this for Roe. Right. Decades ago. Before, yeah. Right. I mean, as they had talked about throughout the years, this was the plan to do do this for Roe years ago, and it never happened. But, Jesse, you're happy about it. I'm happy about it. There is someone who's who's not very happy about it, though. Mm. It's the asshole of today. Representative Vicki Hartzler. <laughs> Vicki, very upset. Oh my God. Very I upset. I just hope my colleagues will do the right thing here. <laughs> I'm so upset. Well, spoiler alert. Come on it's now. so funny, though. You know, I wanted to play the particular news package that we just played because they focused on the impact on families. Yeah, real human lives. And how valuable it is for families to have this layer of protection just in case conservatives decide to go after same-sex marriage. And in the face of that, as they were discussing this legislation, Vicki Hartzler had such a negative response to the legislation that she started to cry. Mr. Speaker, I'll tell you my priority. Protect religious liberty, protect people of faith, and protect Americans who believe in the true meaning of marriage. I hope and pray that my colleagues will find the courage to join me in opposing this misguided and this dangerous bill. I yield back. Gentlewoman's time has expired. She's given a speech on the floor of the United States House of Representatives bawling about people being protected against religious bigotry and posturing it as though if gay people are allowed to marry one another, as is their right, which harms no one else, impacts no one else, that religious people are going to have their liberty switch taken away. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. And she's brought to tears over it, if indeed they were real tears. Mm -hmm. She looked real upset to me. Oh, I mean, maybe you think she's a profound actor. And the Oscar goes to... (laughs) Wow. Oh, good, good, good. But it passed. Yeah. Despite the buckets of tears from Vicki Hartzler. Did not interfere. Which is a good thing. Yeah, very good. Yeah. And since we never like to leave you 
in a negative frame of mind, specifically about Vicki Hartzler, we will end the show with this. Taking care of biz. Maxwell Frost. Maxwell Frost. Congressman-elect Maxwell Frost oh, from Florida. I don't know who this is. The first Gen Z member of Congress tweeted that he was denied a D.C. apartment due to bad credit. Yeah, he tweeted something like, I told the guy I have trash credit right now. They said it would be fine. Don't worry. And then they denied me and kept the application fee. Yeah, so I'm going to read the tweet. All right. He said, just applied to an apartment in D.C. where I told the guy that my credit was really bad. He said I'd be fine, got denied, lost the apartment and the application fee. This ain't meant for people who don't already have money. For those asking, I have bad credit because I ran up a lot of debt running for Congress for a year and a half, didn't make enough money from Uber itself to pay for my living. It isn't magic that we won our very difficult race for that primary. I quit my full-time job because I knew that to win at 25 years old, I'd need to be a full-time candidate, seven days a week, 10 to 12 hours a day. It's not sustainable or right, but it's what we had to do. As a candidate, you can't give yourself a stipend or anything till the very end of your campaign. So most of the run, you have no money coming in unless you work a second job. And the way credit scores work in this country, one, is inexplicable as fuck. But if your debt to if your debt to available debt to um, to total credit is above a certain percentage threshold. It wrecks your credit. So it's not like he's not paying his bills. It, it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with that. It's the weird algorithmic metrics that are at play with how the different credit bureaus measure your credit. Yeah. And AOC tweeted that she went through a similar situation when she was elected to Congress and she gave a little behind the scenes in her tweet saying that the way Congress structures it is that your first paycheck comes in in February yeah, after the, you're elected. The month after you've already served. Right. You need to work a full month in a new city before getting paid. Your first month, you have to pay work required DC rent. Which is high. Home rent living expenses, and furnishings with no income. Yeah. And so when they're talking about this system is built for wealthy people, this is what they mean. Because most people can't pay two two forms of rent in two different cities, number yeah, one. Right. But they certainly can't do that, most people, without any income. That is, I mean, where do you get the money from? That's exactly right. <laughs> so the reason that Maxwell Frost is taking care of biz, because you may be wondering, well, he got... That's a bummer situation for him. Yeah, he got rejected from his apartment. He has bad credit. Why is he taking care of biz? Because this is how a lot of Americans are living their lives right now. Yeah. They are in difficult, precarious financial situations where they have bad credit, where you have to pay an application fee to apply for housing. Which was probably... Upwards of $100, $75 or $100, I bet. And then you don't get the apartment after right. someone has told you that you're very likely to get it, that your bad credit won't be yeah. a problem. And then they decide to take your application fee from you and make money off of you when you're already in a difficult financial situation. Well, let's, if anybody knows Maxwell, um, we got a guest room. I'm sure he's being taken care of and it's all going to get worked out, but... We have a guest room, and we'd be happy to offer. That probably would violate campaign finance laws for getting free gifts or some fucking bullshit. But um, there are people out there who are willing to help out. So taking care of biz because we need more people like this yeah. in Congress. It is important to have people elected that understand. Most importantly. Yes. I mean, this is why. <laughs> it's This is real to him, not yes. some concept. Yes, and he can get in there and talk about his experiences. And, I mean, the fact that he had to follow up on his tweet and explain why he has bad credit, like, people are, are almost making a character judgment right, of course. on him. That what Which is a, the problem in our society as it is. Yeah, it's like, who gives a shit that he has bad credit? Yeah. A lot of people have bad credit. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, I think about Twitter and think about the, the responses that people are going to take up for Capital One or Citibank right. rather than the guy who's having his fucking neck stepped on. Yes, exactly. Ugh. So we are excited to see what Maxwell Frost does in Congress and all the other progressives that got elected to this Congress. 
Um, and this just in. Hello, pores. <laughs> We're going to leave you there. We love you guys. We'd love to hear from you. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. If you are interested in supporting the show, helping produce the show, you can go to patreon.com slash idoubtitpodcast. You can also go to dollamore.info to check out some of the new merch designs. We got mugs and totes and sweaters and t-shirts and stickers. Actually, there are stickers now, die-cut, really awesome stickers. Every purchase goes a long way to help support the show. We love you guys. We appreciate you. And we will see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It.